Welcome to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get help and guidance through the chaos of parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. This show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the guidance of a qualified professional. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about something that a lot of kids struggle with, and that is the metaphobia, the fear of throwing up. And there is a lot of misnomers, a lot of misunderstandings around emetophobia, and a lot of the way that we approach emetophobia is very counterintuitive. So I have invited Chrissy Hodges to talk to us about emetophobia. She is a huge OCD advocate. She is a speaker and she provides OCD peer support and consultation. She's also created a lot of amazing nonprofit organizations to spread the support of OCD around the world. And she brings really good insight into emetophobia from her own personal experiences. She talks about it in a raw way. She talks about it in a real way. And I think it'll really help parents understand emetophobia on a deeper level. So I really appreciate her coming on and you can check out her work at chrissyhodges.com. She's also on YouTube. And I would also highly recommend her book, Pure O, The Invisible Side of Obsessive Compulsive Disorder. It was very good reading. It really gives you insight into not only emetophobia, but it gives you insight into harm OCD, scrupulosity OCD, and pedophilia OCD. A lot of common themes actually in children. She will be back to talk about all that. Before we get started into this interview, I do also want to mention that I am doing my three-part video series. It's back by popular demand. I do it a couple of times a year and people have asked me, when are you going to do your self-care series again? And it is a self-care series for parents raising kids with anxiety or OCD. And it's a three-part video series. So you sign up and then I will email you and give you the link to the videos as we go. We also do Facebook lives and some giveaways throughout that process. So it's kind of a fun week of focusing on self-care and not in the way that you think. When I talk about self-care it is talking about a lot of things that people don't realize is self-care how you change your perceptions, how you're approaching your child's anxiety or OCD. And when you do better with your own self-care, your kids do better. So it is where I always start when I'm trying to help a child with OCD is where is the parent's mindset? Let's work on that first. And that is so important. Not that you're causing any issues, but how we show up to this battle is huge. So join me in the three-part video series, and you can sign up at www.bitly slash self-care series for the number four. That is bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash self-care series four. Link will be in the show notes, and I hope to see you for the series. So without further ado, let's talk to Chrissy. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me on. We've done lots of videos lately and it's been so much fun to get to know you and all the work that you do to benefit our community. Yeah. And vice versa. You've been kind enough to agree to talk about emetophobia. I know that's like your favorite topic in the world. (laughs) Vomit. I know. (laughs) You're a perfect person to talk to about it because parents don't understand the fear of throw up and they don't understand why their kids are struggling with that. And the purpose, my hope is that you're able to kind of demystify that. Like, what's my child going through? What does it look like as a parent? What can I do to help? So we're going to dive into that. But before we get started, 
I want to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself to those of you that don't know you and talk about all the amazing stuff that you do. Okay, thank you. So my name is Chrissy Hodges. I am the author of Pure OCD, The Invisible Side of Obsessive Compulsive Disorder. I am a certified peer support specialist in the state of Colorado, and I've taken that practice and been able to support people worldwide not only just giving them peer support, but also doing referral consultations to help people anywhere around the world find therapists that can help them with ERP and ACT and into recovery. I also am the co-founder of Peer Recovery Services. My business partner and I own a government contract and we put peer support specialists in the state institutions here in Colorado. Most of the people find me through my YouTube channel. So that's uh, Christy Hodges pure OCD advocate. And I talk a lot about some of the more, you know, intrusive thoughts with mental rituals, heavy themes, taboo themes, sexual orientation, OCD, pedophilia theme, harm theme, scrupulosity, things that just don't get talked about a lot. And I get pretty real with them because it is my own experience. So I'm pretty dedicated to the cause of normalizing those really, really scary intrusive thoughts and helping people to understand that there is help. Yeah. And I love that because not enough people are talking about those things. And we were just talking before we started recording and definitely have you come back and talk about some of those sexual orientation and pedophilia, because that actually does impact kids. I've seen kids who have mm, POC. Yes. So we will have you back and talk about that for sure. Yeah. You do amazing work. People need peer support and people need advocacy. So you're an invaluable part of the community. Thank you. Let's talk about emetophobia. <laughs> I had a smaller case of metaphobia as a child and into adulthood, certainly not like a debilitating case. And I have two kids, two out of my three kids have a metaphobia. My youngest, probably the most severe where she almost couldn't go to school last school year. So pretty severe. And a lot of people don't understand it. So I wonder if you can start with maybe your own experience growing up with metaphobia. So emetophobia was my introduction into OCD. I was eight years old. My whole life changed in one second. A kid in my class threw up. And the most bizarre thing about that is that that had happened before. I have thrown up before. My sister, you know, still to this day, can, you can look at her the wrong way and she barfs. And so I, it wasn't something I wasn't used to. But on this particular day, this kid got sick in the class and I had just a visceral, terrifying reaction to it. It was, you know, I needed to get away from it as, as quick as I could. And unfortunately, then it got, uh, as an eight-year-old, I didn't understand how to process these really hard feelings, which were, oh my God, I'm terrified that's going to happen to me, or I'm terrified I will get it. It wasn't contamination. It was just this thing that was out there that I was scared of that day, pretty much quickly after it happened, my only explanation was I must be being punished by God, which goes into the scrupulosity realm, which I don't want to get into because we want to talk about emetophobia. But, you know, in my worldview at that time, you know, I was very religious. And so the only thing I could come up with was I must have done something wrong to cause these feelings, to cause these fears, to cause this to happen. And so my rituals really began around prayer rituals. And of course it was hand-washing, but nothing that anyone would ever see as something's wrong with this kid, you know, more avoidance, more like 
breath holding, mental reviewing, you know, I like to call it like facial recognition. So every day I would go into class and look at people's faces and make sure they looked okay. And that there was anyone I needed to monitor and be worried about. And, and so I didn't tell anybody about what was going on, mainly because of the scrupulosity, mainly just because of some family stuff. I wasn't sure if it would be believed or if it would be taken seriously. And I knew it was big. I knew that my whole life had changed, even at eight. And I couldn't wrap my head around or grasp the magnitude of how it had changed. I just knew it. And so from that day forward, my, my whole life became wrapped up in what do I need to do to not vomit? Yeah. And, and, and a lot of that involved also the scrupulosity. Like I had to do specific prayer rituals again, you know, going to school, you know, not going here. This, this person is bad. You know, this person threw up, so they're not safe. This area is not safe. And the sad part is no one knew. And I literally endured this for years and years and years and still do. And nobody knows. Yeah. And so many people keep it private and don't tell their parents or don't tell anybody. And people don't even recognize that until maybe it becomes so debilitating where they can't go to school or they're noticing they're not leaving the house. And then it's been going on for so long. Yeah. Yep. And I mean, even now, you know, I've been married to my husband or we've been together now for almost six years and I'm full disclosure. You know, he knows just about anything. And every once in a while I'll say something and, and I'll say, well, I, you know, because whatever throw up happened over there. And he's like, are you serious? Like, he just doesn't understand the impact. Like the recent thing that has come to light for him is like, every time I see a car pulled over, I get anxiety because I'm like, someone's throwing up, (laughs) you know, and not, not that it's, I don't hold my breath anymore. That's (laughs) But it's just, (laughs) I think he was just blown away at one point when he was like, you seriously think someone's vomiting every time they're pulled over? And I'm like, well, why else would anyone pull over except to vomit? And he's like, well, <laughs> so it really, it, it really does. And I think to me, I call them now micro compulsions, you know, it doesn't impact my day to day to the point where I'm, you know, really disabled with it, but I'm doing micro compulsions all the time. And they've just been part of my life since I was eight and I'm 43 now. So it, it's almost this, well, this is just how life is. Yeah. And I, with a metaphobia in particular, I think that's a really hard theme to conquer because yeah. one, people aren't throwing up all the time around you and you do develop these habits to protect yourself. And I just find that it's a really resistant type of theme that becomes tricky and mm-hmm. people try to rationalize that. And a lot of the parents I work with, there's two things that you said that I see a lot happening in my practice is one, parents are trying to find like the smoking gun. So a lot of times they're like, they'll even start their like assessment with me. Like my first appointment, they'll be like, well, they won't know the word emetophobia. They won't realize that it's a very common theme. They'll just say we're here because she's had some trauma and she had, you know, she was really sick with food poisoning or she was really sick with the flu or she was at a field trip and this kid threw up on her. They'll like, they'll have a very pinpointed most of the time, not always, but like a specific event that they think was trauma related and that the child has like post-traumatic stress disorder and now they're afraid to throw yeah. up. Mm-hmm. Well, and it, wouldn't that make sense for what I experienced? Kid threw up in class. It was right next to me. And so I was traumatized and now I had emotophobia. But that's not the case. By the way, I just had an intrusive thought that while we're doing this, I'm going to vomit. Um. Well, there you go. And that's okay. You know what I would say to my daughter? Okay, well, you can just vomit, you know, and we'll edit it out. <laughs> the first thing I thought was, well, the basket's right here. So I'll just go ahead and do it in there. Um, <laughs> but anyway, that's... 
<laughs> I, I mean, I think that's, that's great in the ongoing conversation of it's, yes, I, I don't want to say that, oh, I can only speak for myself, but people often ask me, why haven't you done like serious ERP for the vomit fear? And my first answer is, well, it doesn't debilitate my life. I still do what I want. I mean, does it debilitate my husband's life? Sometimes he gets really anxious and scared if he thinks he's going to throw up. And I feel terrible about that. And that's a lot of the source of shame oh, that I, I have. Yeah, yeah, is that I'm, I'm putting the people in my household in, in a position of feeling like they are going to send me into a spiral if they get sick and they can't help it. So they feel anger and they feel fear at the same time. And I feel shame. But, you know, the other thing is like, sometimes I won't go to certain restaurants if I haven't been there before and those things. So yeah, it, but it doesn't impact, I would say our lives to the point where like HOCD did, where yeah. I had to get therapy because I was debilitated and suicidal. Yeah. Do I think, I mean, this is going to be a hard statement, but like, do I think sometimes if I'm on the verge of throwing up, would I rather die or throw up? Yes. That is what I think. And that's what I think people don't understand about amenophobia. They're like, oh, it's just vomit. It's not going to kill you. Well, it doesn't matter because my mind shift is I would rather die than vomit. And yeah. if people don't understand that, then they don't understand OCD. Yeah. And that's the part that I really want to help parents understand today, because I feel like that's a very important aspect that I think a lot of people aren't getting is that they do try to normalize it and they do try to rationalize it with, with people with amenophobia and minimize it because they think that will help. And so, you know, and trying to say, Hey, well, you know, not everybody who's pulling over is throwing up. It doesn't matter to your metaphobia. Your metaphobia is like, but there's, even if there's a 1% chance, that's 1% too much. So yes, even a 0.1%. Right. <laughs> 0.0005. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it just, just a suggestion, like one of the things it's never, ever, ever, ever helpful for someone with emetophobia to be like, it's okay. Like, I know I hate to vomit too, but you know what? It's not going to kill you. It is not helpful. In fact, that just pisses us off more and then minimizes the turmoil we're facing every single day. So the best response that I could get is this is going to be really hard. It's going to be really terrifying. And what do I need to do to support you? If you're going to throw up, what do you need from me? What do you need me to say? What do you need me to not say? Now, of course, I'm going to go, I need you to tell me that I'm not going to throw up. And then the person is going to go, I can't tell you that because you might. But if you do, I'm going to be here with you. And I know how horrible it's going to be for you. That's okay. the only response you can have that's going to make us feel we're going to be angry because we're going to be like, no, tell us we're not going to throw up. But at the same time, it's not shaming us for something that we experience. Like, again, I don't think about vomit all day, every day. It's there like in the back of my head. But if it comes to the forefront and all of a sudden I wake up at 4 a.m. and I have a stomach ache and I'm like, what is it? And I'm running over in my head what all the things that could be versus vomit. You know, the last thing that I need is someone to say, oh, it's going to be okay. Everybody gets sick and, you know, you won't die from it. The best thing that you can do is this is going to be awful. It's going to feel awful. And, but whatever, I'll be with you throughout the day, you know, whatever you need to make it as comfortable as I can. And that's really interesting because I think a lot of parents would definitely say the other, you know, they would say it's going to be okay. It's not going to kill you. Maybe some seasoned parents would say, you know, it's not going to be fun, but you'll get over it. And it's interesting to hear from you to say that's offensive and it would upset you. So oh, absolutely. First of all, this is going to sound really weird, but people with the metaphobia, I can't speak for everybody, but 
from the people I've worked with and myself, especially whether I'm doing micro compulsions or whatever, I feel really confident that what I'm doing is going to keep me from vomiting. Like it's these little bitty unfortunate sacrifices that I make in my life, you know, to keep this whole, this bubble in control at times. And so if I wake up or if I get sick, then all of a sudden there's a lot of shame around the fact that I wasn't good enough or I didn't do enough or I let myself down or, oh my God, if that didn't work, I don't know what to do. Or I wasn't hypervigilant enough. Now, I don't think these things every day, but yes, if I get nauseous and I get scared, all of that stuff rises up for me. So then it becomes the self-reflection of how I've let my body down and I've let myself down. And then I'm going to let everybody else in the house down because I didn't do my compulsions good enough. It's, it's a very different kind of shame. And it's a personal thing that I can't make anybody else understand. Like Sean will bark and it's not that big of a deal. And then he's like, can we have McDonald's? And I'm like, what? (laughs) You know, but when, when I do, it's this letting down of, oh my God, it, it doesn't work. And now I have to fear that this could happen every single day. Now, do I cycle through that? Yeah. I'll cycle through it in a couple of days, but it's the same thing. Like with any other intrusive thought, I do feel like vomit. And we talked about this before, so I'm going to go ahead and mention it. I do think the fear of vomiting gets so trivialized in in our community, especially when they're heavier, really terrifying, like you're questioning your identity fears, like the sexual orientation and the harm and pedophile and scrupulosity about where you're going to go with infinity or whatever. And so it's like, those people go, oh, well, fear vomiting, that would be so easy. I've had both. So yeah. I had, you know, emetophobia, still deal with it at times. And then I had HOCD and I've had pedophilia theme. There are definitely degrees of shame. But when I am in the emetophobia fear, I am like, I would do anything to have, Yeah, <laughs> which we all say for OCD. But I, but to me, it's like, you know, I can stop myself from, if I'm having sexual orientation, I can stop right. myself from making out with a chick, you know, right. or I can stop myself from like touching a kid inappropriately. You yeah. cannot stop yourself from projectile vomiting. Right. So it, it, becomes, control. <laughs> it becomes so urgent and then you're trying to figure it out so fast and then nothing is working. Then you just feel like a complete failure. So it's a different degree of shame. And I, you know, my message is definitely don't negate the shame and the fear that people feel just because you're not afraid of throwing up. Yeah. And I think that's really good advice because I don't think that people would realize the impact that that's having. Now, some things that we talk about parents not doing that they may not even realize and that they are doing, especially for people who just aren't, who haven't been in treatment is they kind of get into that loop with their kids with metaphobia. Am I going to throw up today? Tell me I'm not going to throw up today. Do I have a fever? Check my temperature. What do you recommend for that kind of stuff? Well, I didn't really have a lot of those outward reassurance compulsions. So I'm probably not the expert on that, but we still would go through that in our house with my husband and he caught on after like a year of how reassurance was not helpful. And I wish that he hadn't at times. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So one of the things that we do is if, you know, I like probably the latest example was a few months ago, I cooked this chicken. I thought it was great, bit right into it, swallowed it totally raw on the inside. And so this will spin an emetophobe into all hell 
for like at least 72 hours because you know if you do yeah. the research salmonella right. can hit within 72 hours yeah. <laughs> you know the countdown of the hours right yeah <laughs> so one of the things that we do during that Sean typically will ask me okay what can I do to support you right now well I don't have the answers because I'm so in my head I'm usually in the OCD freeze which is I don't want to move because I'm so scared mm-hmm. and I need to figure this out and then I made the mistake of Googling how many chickens in America have salmonella. Yeah, that's not good. I was like, it's going to be one in a hundred. No, it was 25%. (laughs) So one of the things that we do is we just communicate about what I need for the day. So it's okay. You're going to be like a wreck today. So, and that's okay. It's also in our house that that's okay. Like, it's okay that you feel this way And, and whatever you need to do, you know, let's just communicate about it. Some of the things that I might do is I might just say to him, look, can you just give me reassurance twice today? That's all I'm asking. And he will go, okay, when do you want it? Do you want it now or do you want it later? And then I'll usually say now, and then maybe later on tonight at like six. Okay. I'll only give it to you twice though. And then he will make sure like, what are you doing for the rest of the day? You know, are you going to get up? Are you going to do something? So we make a plan together on how I can work through that awful trigger. I like that. I think that's where the communication is so very important as a parent. And like, he's my spouse. You need to protect yourselves too. Like you, you need to protect yourselves from being dragged into the cycle as well. Boundaries are going to hurt the person that has emetophobia because we feel like, well, if you love me, you would tell me this, or why are you not giving this to me right now? Because look how bad I'm suffering. But it's really important to understand the cycle and to understand that you're the way that you're communicating back to that person can either really help them or really hurt them and dig them deeper into the cycle. Yeah. And I, I, you're bringing up some good points. Cause I think with kids, I'll sometimes recommend reassurance cards, you know, cause they're more visual. So mm-hmm. how many reassurance cards do you want to use today? Here they are. I mean, yeah. you can hand them to me when you want it. You've got three or you've got 10, depending on how like intense it is because parents don't realize that when you give that reassurance, you're kind of growing the metaphobia when you're mm-hmm. saying you're fine now you need they, you're like the panacea they have to come back to you and say am I okay now am I okay now and so you get stuck on this loop where reducing that you know you may or may not throw up but I like your language like I'm here to support you what can we do today today's going to be a rough day and and kind of yeah. validating I like I like the message that you're conveying like it's okay to sit with your kids in their discomfort and just know your role as far as setting those boundaries and sometimes also knowing where where your child's at in treatment with emetophobia. So like my daughter, who's eight, I know that that's kind of when it started for you. And yep. she was kind of blown into lots of things. So now even like getting her blood taken is related to emetophobia because she might throw up at that time. Like it's all like six degrees to emetophobia. And she has a compulsion still where she has to have her trash can next to her bed, which initially started off as a good thing because she'd say, Oh, mom, I don't feel well. And I'd be like, and she, am I going to throw up? You may, or you may not. Do you want me to get the trash can? And it was more of an exposure to like, get her to just accept yes. this may or may not. And now because OCD is like this, it's a compulsion. Cause then mm-hmm. if I move the trash at all, she'll be like, mom, mom, where's my trash can? Where's my trash can? <laughs> and she's not I ready. She's not. And I say to her, you know, having a trash can by your bed, that's a compulsion, you know, because you're telling your metaphobia or we call it her O cloud. You're telling your O cloud that that that's a safety thing because she's mm-hmm. like, well, what if I get on the carpet? What if I get here? You know, like, and she's not ready to move the trash can. And so I'm not mm-hmm. pushing her because she's just not ready for that yet. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's better to, I think, meet people where they're at than 
to push them along because parentally we feel like we need to get them going. So, well, I think an important message to remember, and this is something I learned in peer support, it applies to emetophobia, any, any mental illness for that matter, is the best way that we can show up for people is to validate what they're going through. The easiest thing that anybody can say, and especially when you just get irritated, my child worries about vomiting all the time. So our life has to be disrupted. And I get that. I'm not saying that your struggle isn't valid or real either, but the continual or even just one dismissal of, oh, don't worry about it. It's just vomit. You know, all of a sudden sends us into this frenzy of, oh my God, I'm stupid and I'm weak. And why can't I be like, and then the shame and the guilt. And, and so, you know, OCD is not just an anxiety disorder. It's the depth of emotion you experience about being less than as a human, because you worry about things, you know, are stupid. Yeah. <laughs> so as a peer supporter, you know, one of the most valuable things that I learned and now in reflection and understanding, you know, the needs that I had as a child that I didn't get in that structure was, for someone to just say, like, I believe you, I believe that you're so afraid of throwing up that like your whole day is wrecked. Mm-hmm. I'm validating that that's what your experience is. It's going to sound, you know, kind of sassy, but like, it doesn't take much to just believe that someone's telling the truth at all. It yeah. doesn't take much. In fact, all it takes is dropping your ego about what you think an experience is because no one can understand OCD to the degree of what we are experiencing unless you have it. You can understand, like Sean gets it. He understands, he does what he needs to do, but you cannot understand the degree of like fright and fear in the moment. So the best way to show up for somebody is just say, even I cannot understand what you're going through right now, but I believe you. And especially parents and kids, you see a child change in the face of that kind of fear that's going to be more you know effective not only it might not be effective in the moment because the child just wants you to reassure them but it will be effective later for them to trust you because if you have a metaphobia you might end up having bigger intrusive thoughts later down the line mm-hmm. that are also going to you know just wreck them and scare them and if you can develop that trust that you're going to believe them, they're going to come to you as a support. But then later in life, if you also validate and believe them, they're going to have more of an ability to cope and understand that they don't have to feel shame and guilt for what they're experiencing with OCD. Yeah, really good points. So that communication and that trust is huge. And so how you approach your child with metaphobia is so big. You're right. You know, metaphobia is just one aspect. Your child's most likely going to have other issues too. Hopefully not, but my kids do, (laughs) you know, so it just developing that bond. And also I think empowering them that it's their journey. I always say this, but it's their journey. It's something that they, they have to own and that you're there with them to support them, but they have to learn the skills to handle these things themselves and Mm -hmm. recognizing that it doesn't have to make rational sense. And yes, their fear of throwing up is equal to probably going to swim in a shark tank or whatever your fear is for you. It's at that level. It's palpable. It's, you know, Mm -hmm. paralyzing. I think a lot of times I wanted to ask you this right before we end. A lot of times parents think if they can just throw up, then they're going to be okay (laughs) because they're going to see that it's not that bad. I I hear this all the time. 
it's not like that. I have a friend actually, and I love her dearly. And she would laugh if she heard this. And every time I tell her I almost threw up today, she was like, damn it. I wish you had. <laughs> and I'm like, no, not but and she just messed up with me. No, it does not work like that. So it's, if I could break this down the quickest way that I can, more understandable. I know this now as an adult, could never have known this as a child. I don't know it when I'm in the throes of it either. I don't actually fear vomiting. Yeah. I actually fear the anxiety around vomiting or the not knowing if I was going to vomit. I tell this to people all the time when I'm supporting them. If I could hand you a calendar and it would have, okay, this, these are the days and the times I'm going to vomit for the rest of my life. I would be like, okay, we're done. I never have to worry about this again. Yeah. It doesn't matter how bad you feel. It doesn't matter how anything I would at least, and that day would come and I'd be like, oh no, I'm going to vomit at 315, you know, (laughs) but I would know it. And then, I mean, I told this to you before we came on, when I actually throw up in the middle of it, I'm always like, why do I worry about this all the time? It's not even that bad. But then when it's over within two minutes, I am right back to, oh my God, am I going to do it again? So it's for me, it's the when it's going to happen, how it's going to happen, it, you know, am I going to be at the right place and what's causing it and all of that. The actual act isn't the fear, which again, applies to everything with OCD. Exactly. Yeah. It's, and so it's not helpful to hear if you just vomit, you know, or if you just make yourself vomit every day, you'll get over it because for a lot of us, that's not the actual fear. It's just that it's the uncertainty around it and when it's going to happen and how it's going to be and all of that, yeah. how long it's going to last too. OMG, you know, yeah. like when my sister, like, bless her, I'm not throwing her under the bus, but like, she used to throw up like 15 times a night when she would get sick. Wow. And I would hear it all night long. And to me, it was just this, oh my God, like if I throw up once, am I going to throw up 80 times? Yeah. I'm never going to stop. So it, it's all of the uncertainty around the act. Yeah. Which makes sense. So, yeah, and I think it's uncertainty, like we said, with anything with anxiety and OCD is the doubt and the uncertainty. So yeah, unfortunately, if they throw up, it's not going to be the end of their, their fears. So thank you right. for coming on. I feel like this is really helpful for parents to understand and demystify the inner workings of emetophobia. Mm-hmm. So people should check out your book, Pure O. It's really good. It's very helpful. It really gives you like insight into the mind of OCD and, and how it kind of tortures people and mm-hmm. the other side as well. And check out your website, which I think is what chrissyhodges.com. Yep, chrissyhodges.com. And uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. Of course, anytime. And I'd love to come back on and talk about some of the more taboo topics as well. You bet. Definitely going to do that. Okay, thank you. Well, I hope that you found her insight and her vulnerability to share her own struggles with emetophobia helpful in how you approach your child. The more we can understand and empathize with what's going on with our kids, the better we can show up for them. So please check out Chrissy's work. You can go to ChrissyHodges.com and you can check out OCD Game Changers. Um, She's the executive director of that. That's an international nonprofit group dedicated to helping people with OCD, their families and providers. We didn't talk about that. And it is at OCDGameChangers.com. And again, check out her book, Pure O, The Invisible Side of Obsessive Compulsive Disorder. It is a very good read. I feel like it's really important to read these memoirs, understand your child's struggles, from somebody who's been through it. So you can check out her book on Amazon and I've left links in the show notes as well for her book. 
And don't forget to sign up for the three-part video series, Self-Care for Parents Raising Kids with Anxiety and OCD. And the link is in the show notes as well. So if you've been enjoying the podcast, don't forget to hit a star on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher to show your support for the show. If you have a few extra minutes, if you can leave a review, I greatly appreciate it. And to show my appreciation, I always like to end reading one of those. So thank you, GAD Parent. I am the parent of three daughters who are 17, 17, and 20. And so I wish I'd heard this podcast years ago. Dealing with GAD, that's general anxiety disorder, OCD, and depression as a household is very difficult. And this podcast makes us all feel less alone. Whether you have toddlers or teens, tune in because I am, and I will continue to, regardless of my child's ages. The resources are incredible. Thank you so much for writing that review. I really appreciate it. And I'm glad you stressed that because my resources are for all ages and it is never too late to help your kids. Even if they're teenagers or young adults, there is always time to, to change and to support the people that we love who are struggling. So if you have something to say about the show, please leave your comments and maybe I'll be reading your review next time. So I hope you find the sparkle in everything you do. I'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. To get additional support raising a child with anxiety or OCD, visit Natasha's online school of on-demand classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com. 